At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. All right, this morning, if you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to take it out and turn with me to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 9 this morning. And so if you're not really familiar with the Bible, you open it up to the very, very front and you're in the book of Genesis. So go to chapter 9. Uh, we're going to begin focusing today on verses 8 through 17 this morning. All right, well, it's that time of year. Christmas is coming. How many of you have already started your Christmas shopping? All right. How many of you guys are like, wait till the last minute? All right. How many of you pay someone else to do your Christmas shopping? Anybody? No, Christmas is coming. And as kids, you know, as a kid, as a child, one of my most favorite parts about Christmas was the Christmas gifts. Anybody else with me? How many of you love the Christmas gifts? I loved like going to bed one night and then waking up the next morning and knowing that my parents were very hard at work that night while I was sleeping, wrapping gifts. And I loved just seeing the gifts continue to grow week after week as we got closer and closer to Christmas. And I always loved the Christmas gifts. You know, the beautiful packages that are wrapped in beautiful paper with beautiful bows and ribbons all around them. But have you ever stopped to wonder why we wrap Christmas gifts? So it's a surprise, right? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of like there, there are two aspects to the Christmas gift that I think that, that make it so exciting. One is the mystery, right? The, the person that is receiving the gift that, that sees their name on the package, they have no idea what's inside, right? They, they may be able to shake it and they may be able to try to smell it and they may be able to, to try and peek a little bit, but there's an element of surprise. There's an element of mystery, but then there's also the, the aspect of the giver of the gift. The giver of the gift is like one step ahead of the one getting the gift, right? Because the giver knows what's inside the package. And, the, and there's kind of there's this excitement that happens on Christmas morning when the giver of the gift and the recipient of the gift get a chance to both share in the surprise. Right? As they open up the gift. And they finally see what has been revealed that has been hidden for so long. The giver's like, yes, I want to see the smile on your face when you receive the gift that I've given you. It's a great, beautiful thing as we, we think about Christmas morning and we think about the, uh, the blessings of being both the giver and also the recipient. Well, today, as we begin a new sermon series, we've entitled it Gift Wrapped, Going from Longing to Lavished where over the next several weeks together, we will be looking at the gifts that God has given humanity throughout history. God has given certain gifts, and just like on Christmas morning, God, God knows the gifts that he's going to go, give. He knows when he's going to give them, and he knows what they're there for. And we get the opportunity as, as God's creation to unwrap God's gifts and see his love, his care, and his concern for us. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to look at several of these gifts. And these gifts are going to come in the form of the covenants. We're going to talk about that a little bit more in just a moment. But God has given us gifts, given all humanity gifts, through the gifts of the covenants. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be in the Old Testament. 
We're going to go back into the Old Testament and look with a deeper understanding of what God has been doing throughout the course of history. I pray that through this series that we will be able to see the beautiful connectedness of both the Old Testament and the New Testament. How God throughout all history has been unfolding his plan of redemption and how God has been carefully weaving together events in history to bring us to the place of where we see and know Jesus. You see, all the gifts of the Old Testament, all the old old covenants that God has given us all point us to the new covenant, the, the final covenant that God has given us in the promise of Jesus. And so as we walk towards Christmas, as we walk towards this reminder of God becoming flesh and dwelling among us, we're going to look back and see these beautiful gifts that God has given us. In the covenants. We're going to look today at the covenant that God gave uh, through Noah. Then we're going to look at Abraham, that covenant, and the Israel covenant, and David covenant. And then finally, we will crescendo at the final new covenant on Christmas. So this morning, let's take a minute and let's look at the, uh, the covenant that God has given Noah. It begins in verse 8 of chapter, um, verse eight of chapter 9. He says, then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is a sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenants between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on all of the earth. Now we are diving deeply in the middle of a story that's taking place in in real history. And uh, we see that God shows up at this time and gives the covenant to Noah And you may be here and you may not be very familiar with the the story of the Bible and the account of Noah and the account of the flood. So what I thought we would do is we watch this quick video and it'll catch us up up to speed to see what the context is of this passage. Stories of the Bible. Noah and the flood. This is Noah. Hi. Noah was a good man who tried to do the right thing. But in the time when Noah lived, he was the only man on earth who was doing the right thing. All the other people on earth were doing evil things and hurting each other. This made God very sad. So God said that he was going to send a flood to the earth that would destroy every living thing on earth because he was sorry he ever made them. But God decided to save Noah and his family. God told Noah to build a boat and fill it with two of every kind of animal and bird. Colors, birds, moss, okay, all here. 
Noah did just that, and then Noah and his whole family boarded the boat and waited for the flood to come. The rain fell hard for 40 days and 40 nights. Water covered the whole earth, and the boat floated safely on the surface. Water covered even the highest mountains on earth, but Noah and his family were saved. God remembered Noah and all the animals on the boat. God sent a wind to blow across the earth, and the flood began to go away. After five months, the boat came to rest on a mountaintop. A few months later, the other mountains could be seen. Forty days later, Noah opened a window and released a raven. The bird flew back and forth until the flood had dried up. He also sent a dove out to see if it could find dry ground. But the dove couldn't find a place to land because there was still water on the ground. So the dove returned to the boat. Oh, hello again. After another seven days, Noah sent the dove out again. This time, it came back with an olive leaf. Oh, that girl. So Noah knew that the floodwaters were almost gone. A week later, he sent the dove out again, and it didn't come back. So many months after the flood began, Noah opened the covering of the boat and saw that the ground was drying. He waited two more months, and at last, the earth was dry. Then God said to Noah, Leave the boat, all of you. Release the animals so they can be fruitful and multiply throughout the earth. Okay! So Noah, his family, and all the animals finally left the boat. Noah built an altar to the Lord to make a sacrifice to God. God was pleased with Noah's offering and said to himself that he would never again destroy every living thing on earth. God blessed Noah and his sons and promised them that he would never send another flood. He gave them the rainbow in the sky as a sign of this promise to Noah, his family, and all of mankind. Right, so now you're caught up to speed. You know what's going on in the flood and, and all of that. And you know what's so amazing to me is that as we look at the beauty of Scripture and how God has we wove everything together, is that you know we began in the beginning of Genesis in chapter one. We see that God is a creating God and that God is very active in forming uh, the world that we live in. And he even is, is forming and shaping us. And after everything that he created, he said that it was all good. And it didn't take very long after God had made everything so good for sin to come in the world. And we see by the, by the beginning of chapter 6 in Genesis, the world is so bad. Everything that was good has been now totally corrupt by sin. Sin has its touches over all creation. And so everything that God created in its goodness now was all corrupt. And God looks at his creation and looks at the corruption of sin and the evilness of man and God plans to judge. So he's going to destroy everything that he created by a flood. But God saw Noah as a righteous man. 
and decided that God was going to spare not only Noah, but also the living creatures. And so he has Noah do this strange thing to build an ark, to build a boat in the middle of the desert where it had never rained ever before. And so Noah sets out to honor God and obey God. And so for over 100 years, he works on this boat because he knows the impending judgment is coming. And God saw, sees fit to save not only Noah, but two of every living creature. And so God brings him together in the boat and then the boat, the door on the boat shuts and God's judgment comes over all creation. All of life perishes. And for almost a year, Noah and his family and the animals are on the boat as they wait and as they wait and as they wait and as they wait. And then finally, God tells them to get out of the boat. And you have to just imagine, just for a moment, like Noah has been on the boat for almost a whole year. Everything that he knows and has known is completely gone. And as he's stepping out of the boat, I'm sure he has a ton of questions on his heart and on his mind. He's like, well, what do we do first? How do we rebuild? God, what do we rebuild? What, do, what am I supposed to do? And we see God's graciousness right at the beginning of, of chapter 9. That as Noah gets off the boat, God begins, verses 1 through 7 of chapter 9, God begins to tell him what he wants him to do. And we see this in chapter 9, verse 1. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. This is what I want you to do now that you're here, now that you have been saved, now that you have been saved from all the judgment, now begin to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Do you remember God giving that command to someone else? He gave that to Adam and Eve, right? Right in the beginning of Genesis, when he creates Adam and Eve, he says, your purpose is to fill the earth and to multiply. And so again, it's almost like he's giving another start. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Then he goes on and he tells them now that, they, that the beasts of the fields and all that will now revere and, and fear man. And now that the, the animals of the land will become food. So be fruitful and multiply and have steak. Like that's a good thing, right? Get off the boat and that, that cow you see over there now can be your lunch or dinner. But then he goes on and he says, and don't murder. Be careful not to murder for if someone takes the life of another. That life is to be taken because God values life. It's almost like he's giving them a, a hard reset on creation. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Eat meat and care for creation. But at the same time, care for one another and love one another. And then we come to verse 8 which is where we see this covenant coming forward, where God sets forth his promises. And so let's begin this morning taking a look at the recipients of this covenant. The recipients of the covenant. We see this in verse 8. He says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. So we see 
this covenant unfolding that God is giving to Noah and to all creation. But we must ask ourselves the question, well, what is a, a, co- a covenant? What is a covenant? Well, quite simply, a covenant is a commitment. It's a commitment between two parties. It is uh, a, a solemn vow that is not meant to be broken between two. And it's not as though uh, in the covenant that one party does one thing for the other, for the sole purpose of the other. It's, it's a mutual giving over of oneself to the other that is connected in the covenant. We call marriage a covenant. We're in a marriage. We have the husband and the wife giving of themselves for the sake of the other person, where they promise to commit to one another, to be, uh, um, to be together for the rest of their lives. So a covenant is also very different from a contract. A contract is just legally binding. It is something that you write out on a paper that you can always find loopholes to. But a covenant is not legally binding. A covenant is spiritually binding. A contract can be broken. A covenant is meant to be held and to to be honored for life. A contract is an exchange of one thing for another. A covenant is a giving of oneself to another. So what we see here is that God is establishing this covenant with Noah which means that there's something that God will not go back on. So he says, he says it three times in this passage. I established my covenant. I established my covenant, the covenant that I have established. So God is entering into this commitment to Noah. God is saying, I'm going to do something here. And what we see here is this, co- this covenant is not conditional. There's no conditions for Noah and his family and for all creation. It's it's not, I will remain faithful to you if you do this, this, and this. No, this is God stepping in and God saying, I am entering into this commitment with you, this special, holy commitment. But who does he establish this covenant with? Well, we see it's with everybody. It's with all of Noah. It's all of Noah's family, his offspring, and their offspring, and their offspring, and their offspring. So it's basically this covenant has been given to all generations, all humanity. This goes out over all creation. It's not only just for the humans, though, but we see it's for all living creatures. The beasts, the birds, the livestock, every living creature, all flesh. What this covenant shows us is that God has a deep concern for all of creation. Everything that he has made, he cares about and now is making a promise to all creation for all time. That's the second thing I want us to see. Well, what is the covenant promise? Well, it's quite simply in verse 11. So this covenant Uh, In verse 11, he says, I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all the flesh be caught off by the waters of the flood and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. So what is the promise? The promise is is that God will never again flood the earth. Never again will he allow his judgment to come in this way. 
Now we know if we read later on in scripture that the earth is going to be judged again, but it will be judged with fire in the future. But now God is saying, no longer will my anger, no longer will my wrath, no longer will any of this come against you by the judgment of the flood. Because remember, the flood was a direct result of the wickedness and sinfulness of man. God had every right to completely destroy humanity. He had everything in his right, and because he is the creator, the creation owes, or the creator owes nothing to the created. The created owes everything to the creator. And the creation as a whole, we see rejected God. Creation as a whole rejected God's rule in their lives and people did wickedness in their own eyes every single day of their lives. So what does wicked humanity deserve? Wicked humanity deserves destruction. And we see that God brings that destruction through the power of the flood. And now what God is doing is he's saying, I am entering into this covenant and I'm gonna hold myself back. This is an amazing thing. For we deserve absolute destruction. And God says, I'm going to hold myself back. I will not destroy you again by the flood. I will hold myself back for your sake and for all of creation. What we see is this divine promise that gives a guarantee of God's commitment to creation and the preservation of life on earth. This here is the necessary foundation for the story of redemption to take place. Life on earth is guaranteed to continue in spite of human sin. This is the very, very beginning, the foundation of God's plan of redemption. It begins by ensuring that there will be life. This is an amazing promise. We all deserve to be crushed, but God is gracious. Now think about this too. Like, if, if all we had was the story of the flood, if we don't have the story of the covenant, and all we know is that God is a wrathful God that, that, pays, that, that brings about destruction for sin and cause, causes total condemnation on top of people, if that's all we knew, and that God is a God that can destroy, when he has enough of the world's sin, he can destroy it at any moment through a flood. If that's all we knew about God, then we would shudder every time it rained. Right? If that's all we know about God, if God doesn't step in with this covenant, all we know is that any moment, it could all be gone. And we would pay the penalty for our sin. But now, we don't have to worry when it rains. We don't have to look to the sky and wonder if God's condemnation is coming. Why? Because of the covenants. God has given us the promise that he says, go make life, have life, experience this life, knowing that I'm giving you an opportunity. My wrath is coming, but right now I'm withholding it. I'm holding myself back for your sake. 
I do this for you. Though you deserve death, I'm holding myself back. So that's the covenant of promise. The third thing that we see is the covenant, the covenant sign. Look at me in verse 12. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. God gives us the gift of the rainbow to remind us of his promises and to remind us of his care for us. Signs of the covenants are super powerful reminders you know, I, I'm reminded of my covenant to my wife uh, that we made 21 and a half years ago by wearing a ring every single day. This is a sign that I'm taken. This is a sign that my heart and affection are, guilt, are, are directed towards one individual, that I'm promising to be faithful to my spouse for the rest of my life. This is a sign. And we see here that as God is entering into this covenant with humanity, with all of creation, he here again gives another sign. And what we're going to see through this series, too, is that with every covenant that God gives us, he gives us a sign to constantly be reminded of who he is and what he's done. And so what he's doing here, he makes a covenant with Noah and he says, the sign is going to be a rainbow. When I see a bow in the sky, I will remember the covenant between me and you. This word remember here doesn't involve the concept of forgetting as though God has forgotten what's going on or what's happening. But it's, it's a reminder to act upon the previously commitment, the commitment that was made between the parties. And so it's, it's this renewing of this, this covenant, this uh, restarting again of the promise. So every time we see a rainbow in the clouds, it reminds us of God's promise. It's a reminder that God has promised to withhold his wrath for a specific season. Think, think about the beauty of a rainbow. Right, and how God is, is giving great meaning to this rainbow. When do rainbows show up? After the storm. How are rainbows created? Their rainbows are created by light coming through water droplets. This very same water that destroyed the earth now is a reminder of his promises. That God is faithful and that he loves us. And now this covenant is laying the foundation for a future redemption that is only found in Christ. This promise, this covenant is pointing to a future. It's pointing to Jesus as our only savior of our souls. L let me remind you of, of why the flood came to earth in the first place. 
Right? The flood came because of the wickedness of man. In, in chapter 6, verse 5, it says that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of his thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. This is the state of humanity prior to the flood. Man continually, every thought, every intention of his life was evil continually. Then we get the flood. And you think maybe this is a new beginning. Maybe it's a fresh start for humanity. But no, in fact, what we see happening is the earth remains corrupt. All you have to do is look in uh, chapter 8, verse 21, right after uh, Noah um, puts forth the altar to worship God. And this is what it says in verses, uh, chapter 8, verse 21. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again strike down every living creature as I have done. So prior to the flood, every intention of the heart was evil. After the flood, it didn't as, as though everything go away and we get a fresh start. No, man's hearts are still evil. Man's hearts are still bent towards rebellion. Humankind didn't change. But what did change was God's disposition towards creation. You see, the evil in the human heart was the reason for God's judgment in the flood in the first place, and the evil in the human heart was the reason for God's mercy after the flood. We didn't change, but God's disposition towards us did. He says, I will restrain myself from pouring out wrath for a season. What an amazing gift of God. But all of this points to Jesus. You may say, well, how does it point to Jesus? Because, because Noah himself was not the one to save the world from their sins. Oh, he was kind of like a, a, a typical Christ or a typical savior in that God used Noah to save some. But Noah himself was still wicked in his heart. And even through all of his work and through all of his obedience, didn't spare humanity from all of sin. Sin continued and has continued from the time of Noah. Each one of us are guilty of sin. And so it's a reminder that we can't fix ourselves. It's a reminder that we can't become uh, connected back to God by our own efforts. Humanity is in desperate need of change. We are in desperate need of a fresh start, but humanity is incapable of fixing our wicked hearts. Our wicked hearts could only be fixed through Jesus. And on Christmas, what makes that so amazing is that we are reminded that we were helpless to save ourselves, but God, who is rich in mercy, came to us. God became flesh through the person of Jesus. Jesus was fully God and fully man, and he came with one purpose, and that plan, that purpose was to save all humanity. He was the new beginning. He was the fresh start that we so desperately needed. See, it was God's plan to send Jesus to live a perfect life. He lived in obedience in every way, and he died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. 
Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for the wrath and punishment that was being stored up in heaven for us, for all of our sin and for all of our rebellion, was placed on Jesus. And by us believing in Jesus, we can have our penalty being paid by him, our sins can be forgiven, and we can have peace with God. So this morning, the beautiful benefit of the covenant that we have in Noah is the reminder that God's wrath is being withheld from us for a season. But it's also a reminder that God's wrath is coming. There is a day of judgment where each one of us will have to stand before our creator and give an account of our lives. And the only thing that's gonna matter is how we respond to Jesus. Either Jesus is our savior and our Lord, or he's not. And if you have come to accept Jesus as your savior and Lord, then we look forward to that day where we get a chance to stand before Jesus where God looks at us and he takes account of our lives and we no longer feel the shame for our sin. We no longer feel all of the regret and all of that because it all goes away because Jesus will be sitting there saying, I paid for all of that. This is mine. I gave my life for this one. He can come in. But for those that don't know Jesus, I pray today would be the day of your salvation, that you would consider Jesus and that you would accept him and believe in him as your savior and as your Lord because God has given you a season of his grace. And we don't know when that season is going to end. Brothers and sisters, let us through this Christmas season be faithful to share this message. Let us not keep it to ourselves, but this is a time of celebration. This is a time of year where we don't have to worry about all the difficulties that we've endured this year, but we are reminded that God came to save us. That he didn't stand off and let us destroy ourselves, but that God came to earth through the form of Jesus so that we may be saved. What a beautiful gift that we have. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reminder this morning of this universal blessing, this universal covenant that goes out to all creation. It doesn't matter who they are, where they live, but all humanity for all time and all creation for all time has this blessed promise that you will not destroy us by water. But Father, while we rest in the grace of your restrained wrath. Father, may we be found faithful. May you take our wicked hearts. May you take our wicked minds. May you take our wicked ways and redeem them. Father, there may be some in this room right now that are deeply struggling with sin. Sin has its grip on the very souls. Father, today I pray the blessed promise of Jesus would come and release them from that sin.
those that may be suffering from addictions, Father, I pray today you release them. Father, for those marriages in this room that are on life support, God, I pray that you would remind them of the covenant. Father, say you are mighty and you are worthy of all of our praise and all that we are and all that we have because God, you have been gracious towards us. Father, as we sing this song, may these words that come out of our mouths be a reflection of our hearts. Continue to mold us and shape us, our great God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.